Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Welcome once again to Now Church. We're glad that you're here. It is going to be a great day. And uh, I'm enjoying these um, Sunday mornings in the summer to be able to get together and see everybody in one shot and give everything we got in one moment and one time and just see what God's going to do. I love that. I love that. See what God does, like we all say together in the three-week challenge. We're continuing a, a series called Ready to Rumba. 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 Somebody, some people like to dance. Anyway, they, did, they, they didn't edit us last week, by the way, for that, but they edited us for something else. Anyway, every, every song that, they, that we do, like right before, the, uh, right before the service starts, they want to sanction us now, even though we, have, we pay uh, copyrights for it. It's, isn't that weird? Anyway, so we're going to say, well, I can't say it. Let's get, we're ready for the fight. Amen. Today's message is called Builders and Brawlers. Builders and Brawlers. We're talking about the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was, um, was carried away in, the, in Israel's exile to Babylon and uh, wound up kind of like the story of Joseph in Egypt and Daniel in Babylon and Persia. In this time, uh, Nehemiah kind of rose up through the ranks and became a very trusted official to one of the kings of Babylon. And uh, he became the king's wine taster, which was a trusted position because if you couldn't trust that guy, you'd get poisoned and, and you know, the king wasn't going to live long. So it was a very trusted position. He gave it to this Jewish, this Jewish young leader named Nehemiah. And uh, Nehemiah, in the beginning of Nehemiah, he, he hears that Jerusalem is under siege and has all lost all of its defensive walls. And he says, how can a city survive without defenses, without borders? And he, he's, he goes into almost like a, well, he goes into a season of prayer, but, he, but, he, but he's, so, he's so bothered by it. And so in, we pick it up in Nehemiah chapter two. I'm gonna get, begin in verse 17. After he assesses, he gets sent, by the way, and we'll talk about that more later. He gets sent to, by the king, because he's so favored, he gets sent to the king's, uh, by the king's hand to go to Jerusalem and help rebuild the wall. It says in verse 17, then I said to the people, Nehemiah talks, is talking to the children of Israel. He says, you see the distress that we're in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall. Say, let us build. Let us Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them, of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also the king's words that he'd spoken to me, authorizing the trip, in other words. So they said, the people then said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. But when Sanballat, the Horonite, Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you're doing? Will you rebel against the king? So I answered them and said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. 
Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. I want to weave in there from 1 Corinthians chapter 3 in the New Testament, verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, Paul writes, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let, let each one take heed how he builds on it. Our God is a builder. Let's pray one more time. Father God, would you come and move in this place? Holy Spirit, we welcome you to come in and speak to us the words of life that are able to save us and change us and build us up. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Last week, we talked about fighting for your sight. We talked about the importance of clear vision, and we looked at the life of uh, Samson, I was telling somebody the other day, I realized to some of you that have been raised in churches that teach or preach expository sermons where you get chapter and verse. Listen, I, I probably gave you a whiplash last week because Samson, I, I, you could be in a church and uh, Samson takes up three or four chapters of the book of Judges. You, I've been in churches where you could have been talking about Samson for 83 weeks. And I kind of gave you the whole story in a week. But understand this, it's just, I'm a preacher, not just, a, not just a, primarily a teacher. And, 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 and part of my deal is, if I get bored, I know you'll get bored. And so I get bored easily. My uncle told me one time, he said, you don't have attention deficit disorder. You, don't, you have ADOS. I said, what's that? He said, you have attention deficit, oh, shiny. <laughs> and so... What happens is sometimes we get kind of caught up in a thing, and I, I'm a bottom line guy. Ask any of my team, any of our workers, our staff, you, you got to get to the point with me. Because if you're going to tell me, you know, all of your backstory forever and ever, I don't, I, I mean, I'm, I'm already, I'm, I've already checked out after 45 minutes, and I'm thinking about lunch, you know? So I try to be aware of that for you. So I'm a bottom line guy. If you would like the 83-week teaching on Samson, um, you're in the wrong place. I'm sorry. We just, you know, anyway, I love, I love Samson, but it's not about a haircut. Anyway, so uh, we looked at the life of Samson, his supernatural strength, a reminder we said last week that a person's gift can get them into certain places and achievements, but only character and integrity can keep them there. We spoke prophetically to the backslidden condition of the 21st century church and discussed the slippery slope to destroying your faith. If you've not seen last week, you need to watch it online. Even if you're on vacation, go watch it. I, I, I double dog dare you, okay? <laughs> now, I've been reminded several times recently that the construction of the legacy building is about much more than just building a nice fellowship center, kids' classrooms, and an excellent cafe with awesome coffee. That was a good amen place. It's about more than that. It's about expanding the kingdom of God. We've always said around here that we're, we're not building something for ourselves alone, but we're building for those who aren't even here yet, for those who don't even know who we are, those who have never noticed us, and those who don't even know Jesus, that's who we're building for. And so I, I would say this for the last 32 years, some of you that have found the Lord here and met Christ here for yourself in a real way, 
Thank God that years ago, people thought this way to build and change this room and technology and everything for you, right? But we have to think of the next generation, the next new generation, and how we're gonna reach them, which is why we're not building a new sanctuary. We're not building a new auditorium. We're building something multi-purpose up front, and the, later on, if we need another building, we'll do that, but that's not where we're at right now. We need to build a place where we can actually get to know each other, right? So that's where we're headed. There are many people right now, many, many people that, that are in what the Bible calls the valley of decision. Right now, there are people in a pit within a half a mile of this place and new neighborhoods going up everywhere in every direction from this place. They're all around us and they're in a pit and they're looking, but they don't know what they're looking for. Maybe they don't even know the Lord yet is, and their hearts are closed or clogged or blinded to even recognize that they need Jesus, that he's the answer. Let us never forget, we're building a place for people to connect with Christ in the future. And this is what Nehemiah was thinking of when he hears that his city's walls are broken down. He said, if we don't have protective defensive walls, and gates that are protected, we have no future. The story of Nehemiah is firstly a story of intercessory prayer, strong prayer. Because when Nehemiah hears about the condition of his city, he's broken. He, he, the Bible says he begins to weep. He begins to cry and he prays for many days. He, he has this burden of prayer, this spirit of prayer comes on him. And he's praying and interceding for his people and for Jerusalem. And we know he must have had a great reputation with the king of Babylon because when he comes in after these days, he maybe had some days off, I don't know, but he comes into the presence of the king and the king said, what's wrong? Your countenance isn't right. Usually you're so happy. There's a good word for people that have jobs. Why don't you have a great reputation to be the happy one? the peaceful one, the hardworking one. So it was because of all that that the king said, what's going on with you, Nehemiah? I, I, I need to know, you, you, you don't seem right. And he cares about it. He's the king of the foreign nation that conquered. His father destroyed Israel. His father brought people into Babylon. And yet he's got favor there, supernatural favor. And so because he had earned the right not to be depressed all the time, he said, well, let me tell you, king, I'm upset because my people have been destroyed and we got no defenses. And the king said, well, why don't you go? I'll, I'll write you a letter that'll get you a pass and give you authorized permission to go back and rebuild. It was amazing. I wanna say this to you, be careful what you pray for because God may very well call you to become part of the answer. Yeah. Nehemiah was praying for somebody else to do it. You can't, I can't tell you how many times in 32 years somebody's come up to me and said, I have a great idea for this church. Oh, talk to me about it. Oh, we should, we should have this or that. I say, great, are you really willing to do it? Oh, no, 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 no. No, I don't wanna do it. I just have the idea. 
Well, if you got the idea, then maybe you're the ones supposed to do it. Help carry it out at least. Help make it happen. You know, you, uh, idea people are a dime a dozen. There are tons of people that have great ideas, but they never, ever pull the trigger and actually get anything done. They just go from idea to idea to idea to idea, ADOS. You know? You gotta find something you can stick with. As a trusted assistant to the king of Babylon and Persia, he becomes the wine food taster, he's poison control, and he becomes trusted, and now he's called to spearhead reconstruction. He was, he was likable, and he was sent. And from that point on, Nehemiah walked in a new anointing of wisdom and anointed power. He had a fresh, something fresh was going on with him. He arrived in Jerusalem, appointed to become a master builder, even though his career was wine tasting. Who wouldn't like that career? Except if you get poisoned. Anyway, I wanna say this to you. I believe you're called to be a wise builder as well. Maybe not of buildings, maybe not of houses. But I read a great, great quote recently by our dear friend, Pastor Charles Neiman, who said this, if you're not building something, if you're not building your marriage, your career, your financial future, if you're not building your family, building good kids, if you're not building, you're moving toward failure. And I'd say add in primarily your relationship with God. Whatever you're not managing for growth and expansion is already shrinking and you don't know it. Everything you've got to be about in your life, every priority, you've got to be looking to grow it, to build something, to expand it, to do something that's gonna do something positive, to make a difference with your life. But whatever you're not managing for growth, listen, things don't grow without management, without leadership, without you being over and being intentional about, I wanna grow spiritually. If you're not wanting to grow spiritually right now, then what are you doing? Because there's no sitting still with Jesus. He walked everywhere he went and he was always walking. He's always moving forward. But to effectively grow anything, you need God's help, don't you? You need to partner with God, right? Psalm 127 verse one said this way. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. So I wanna give you a couple of lessons from Nehemiah during construction season. I'll tell you how I got this message and why I got this message, why I think it's so important. Whenever you're building anything for God's purpose or climbing a ladder to glorify him, you will have resistance. Anytime you're doing any kingdom work, there's gonna be demonic opposition. The Bible says that in the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, the enemy came in among them to frustrate their purpose. The enemy would love to frustrate your purpose. So you, 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 right when you say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get back to church, I'm gonna lean into God, I'm gonna start growing spiritually, I'm gonna really be intentional about this, and I'm gonna fully surrender my life to Jesus. The moment you do that, it's wonderful, but there's a mark on you in the spirit. 
both for good and for bad. The enemy, listen, the enemy is not afraid of you being a Christian or putting a bumper sticker on your car saying, I'm a Christian. Or putting a little bumper sticker on your car that has a dove and a cross. You know, a lot of people look at the, oh, what, what's the difference in, you know, I'm a spirit-filled Christian. Okay, what does that mean? You, you, get, you, get a, you get the badge and the pin, you wear the hat? No, what scares, what frightens the enemy is when you're actually wholeheartedly going after God. Because in those moments, you're building something and preparing a new wall of defense. You're building something more powerful than a, just a building or a house. You have a purpose. And the enemy wants to frustrate it. And I'll say this, don't, don't get mad at me on this, but I'm gonna tell you the truth. Opposition arises from the strangest places. People who should be helping you or celebrating your progress often become the ones that oppose the very purpose of God. And, the, and you can, you, you, it kind of freaks you out sometimes. And I'm not, nothing surprises me anymore. But it kind of freaks you out because you think, this, you should be excited. You've been, you know, sometimes we, we, had a, we had a lady when we first came to Ocala in 1990 that came to us and said, I've been praying for the last couple of years. I'm an intercessor and I've been praying that God would call you and your wife back to Ocala where you came from. You would, you would, you would start a church here. And she left the church within six weeks, mad because we wouldn't make her an elder or a deaconess or whatever position. She was wanting a, she was wanting a ministry card. And so she's trying to make herself really important to us by telling us that she, she, I'm an intercessor and I prayed for you. And people had told us she's prayed specifically by name, sensing prophetically God would call you to Ocala. Well, that's nice. But if you can't, if you're not gonna be in the place of it. Why would you oppose us then? Just anyway, and she started getting people like for the next year or two, she was trying to get people to leave our church. It's bizarre. It's just strange. People become obsessed with blocking you from building anything and they don't even know why. I was reminded this recently. Um, so, Two weeks ago, some of you were here for the 4th of July weekend, and we had a quick elders meeting because it, was, it felt so good to be here with everybody together in one service. And it was like, wow, I wish we could do this every week in the summer, every week in July, whatever. And the team got together and said, well, we don't need to. You know, do you know an average church, if you went to change the hours of a church service and you had a typical elder board, deacon board, you know, people were deacon possessed or whatever, you know. <laughs> if you have that bad, that like, like, if you've ever been in a church that had a bunch of religious politics, yeah. Yeah. oh, it's just, there's nothing worse. Yeah. It could take you two years <laughs> to get that decision that we made in five minutes. Right? Amen. right? Amen. I mean, it could, it could theoretically. So what happens is when we made that decision that week, we were st I was still like in shell shock. What did we just do? We just cut down to one service and we're, and we're not even having Wednesdays. What did I do? I knew it was God, but then it was like, well, I hope people hang together. 
And other stuff started to rise up. And that Thursday, so a week, a week and three days ago, whatever last Thursday was, the Thursday after 4th of July, I get a call from my dear friend, Pastor Burt Wimberly, who's a great man of faith and a real prayer warrior. And he prays for me and my wife and our church every day. And I know he does because he, he, he frequently will call once, a while, once in a while. But I haven't heard from him in a long time about this. And he calls me up and he said, he said, hey, thanks for taking my call. Usually we leave each other voicemail and try to, you know, usually we hit each other at the bad time. He called me and I answered. And he said, uh, hey, I don't want to keep you. I'm kind of surprised you answered. But he said, I want to tell you something. I've been praying for you the last couple of weeks and I had two specific things that I felt very specific. I need to call you and tell you what, just two little thoughts of what I felt God was saying when I was praying for you. So he said, you know me, I don't do this. I said, yeah, 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 tell me, two, two thoughts. I need two thoughts. <laughs> he said, I don't even know why I'm telling you these, but he said, number one, I felt like God said, less is more. Talk about a confirmation. I was like, V8 moment, you know, like, wow. God, he said, he said, God wanted me to tell you less is more. And I thought, praise, I mean, no, I knew exactly. He said, I don't know what I'm talking about. I said, I know what you're talking about. We're just releasing stuff and just letting God flow. He said, number one, less is more. And I got very excited. He said, number two, and he said, These, this is word for word what I got. He said, I wrote it down. You're doing a great work. And it, and it hit me. Uh, you know, sometimes you're doing so much that you forget why you're doing it. <laughs> and I just felt like less is more confirmed what we've done for July and summer schedule. But doing a great work hit me like cold water in the face because it's a direct quote from the book of Nehemiah. Because opposition arrived from those guys, Sambalet and Geshem and Tobiah, these enemies from a nearby town that wanted to stop the process of rebuilding the wall. And when the wall was almost done in Nehemiah chapter six, verse two, it says this, that Sambalet and Geshem sent to me saying, come let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me harm. So I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down from the wall. Why should the work cease when I, while I leave it and go down to you? But they sent me this message four times and I answered them in the same manner. He had to send a messenger four times and say, no, I can't come down and meet with you when all this stuff is going on. Let me tell you something, harassing spirits, are sent to vex you, as we prayed about at the beginning. Harassing spirits, you know when demons are up to harassment, when, they're, when it's this, then it's that, that, you solve this and then that happens, and you solve this and then that happens, and you solve that and then that happens. That is the definition of a demonic attack. And I would say that as soon as my friend, Pastor Burt Wimberly said, 
you're doing a great work. This whole thing just rushed in me and dropped in my spirit like that a week ago Thursday. And this is the thought. Beware of strife in the valley of, oh no. (laughs) Beware of strife in the valley of, oh no. Don't come off your post. Don't come off the wall. Don't get off the wall. When stuff tries to take your attention from what you're doing for God. Let me put it this way. Right now, my parents are 83 and 82. Just moved to Ocala last year. Mom's about to be 83 next month. They taught me for years. Now I'm trying to teach them. I'm having a hard time. Maybe you can help me. I'm trying to teach my 82-year-old mother that she doesn't have to answer her iPhone every time it rings. It's not tied to the wall. It's a different day. If I had a dollar for every time she's explained to a sales call why she doesn't need an extended warranty on her car, we could build the legacy building debt-free. But that generation feels like they have to explain, well, well, it's not a good, my mom will answer the phone when it's not a good time and say, it's not a good time for me to talk to you right now. To a complete stranger, when it clearly says, spam, she thinks they're selling Hormel ham meat or something, you know. I love my mother, but here's the point. Be on guard against pointless debates and antagonistic discussions. Some people don't want answers. They want to discuss everything to death. Some folks genuinely have questions. That's okay. Others just want to score points and agitate you. They don't really want an answer. They just want to, yeah, spew. That's a good word, Mike. Thank you, Mike. They just want to spew. Just want attention, want it to be heard. So here's the reminder. I'm almost done. Construction season is battle season. That's what the story of Nehemiah is about. When you're building anything, when you're accomplishing, when you're, when you're targeting, when you're going after God in a new way, you've got to be aware. Listen, I've never had as much harassment as, as I have when I'm in a season of prayer. We live in a community that doesn't allow anybody to sell anything door to door. But salespeople come around and ring the doorbell when I go to pray. You know it. I know it. Things happen that never happen. You look at the book of Acts. Peter and John were on the way to prayer, in the hour of prayer. And then the man said, the beggar man said, help me. Give me money. I need something. And they stopped to minister to him. There's always something on the way to prayer. There's always something on the way to leaning into God, on the way to going after more of him. There's always something that's gonna try to arise and steal your attention. Oh. Spirit of God calls you to prayer. I said this before. The Bible says that no one can 
be about the things of the Spirit except the Spirit of God. So if you feel something like, I need to get to church, or I need to really go after God, that's never going to originate in your mind. It's never going to originate in the kingdoms of darkness. The only one that can give you a nudge to pray or spend time with God or get excited about him or lean in or, or, or talk to somebody about the Lord. The only one, the only nudge can be from the Holy Spirit. It can only be him. But there's always distractions. The Valley of Yoko Ono. <laughs> only me and Mike Malik know what that means. In the Valley of Ono, the Beatles were broken up. Be on guard. Construction seasons, battle seasons. We can't be naive. Not everybody is happy when you're growing or being promoted or building something new. I'm so thankful for Pastor Gail because she started a little special prayer group since the spring, a few months ago. She felt like we're in construction season I need, to get, I need to get a few people together. We need to start really praying, not just our church-wide prayer once a month, but we need to start praying and get more intercession going. And so that's gonna be happening more and more as we go through this time. Times of intense spiritual warfare doesn't mean losing your peace. Now, see, when I talk about builders and brawlers, a lot of people think, oh, yes, I'm in, I'm in battle season. And you get, you're, just, you're just all hyped up. Oh, wow. Oh. But I want you to understand that just because there's an intense spiritual warfare doesn't mean that you lose that inner calm, that peace that passes understanding. It's a great quote from Joyce Meyer. She said, I grew up in an atmosphere of strife. And that was all I ever knew, Joyce Meyer said. I had to learn an entirely new way of living. And now I've become addicted to peace. As soon as my peace disappears, I ask myself how I lost it and start looking for ways to get it back. You can have peace in the middle of a battle. That's one of the great supernatural powers of our God. And though this seems antithetical or counterintuitive, Romans 16, 20 from the Amplified says this, and the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. I want to point out a couple of things there. The God of peace will soon crush Satan. The God of peace will crush Satan. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, but he's going to crush the enemy's head. And he's going to do it not under his feet, but under your feet. That's what it says right there. Romans 16. In fact, for the next 83 weeks, I'm going to be teaching on Romans 16, 20. I'm, I'm joking. The enemy uses words as weapons. Words have power. Death and life and the power of the tongue. You know that. But when, so when you feel oppression or depression, which simply means an invisible pressure, the press, discouragement, is often evidence of spiritual attack. And it's often the sign that you're getting close to your breakthrough. 
Because if the enemy can get you to turn back when you're really close to a breakthrough, he's got you. And then you're going to blame God that it didn't happen, but you're the one that quit. Keep going. Keep going. Don't quit. Don't back down. Keep believing. Keep fighting. Keep standing. Hold your peace. Grab a hold of it by the bootstraps. If you're discouraged recently or you're going through a season of wet blanket feeling over your life and discouragement is around you, what, what does the enemy recognize about you that you don't see about yourself? Why is a healthy, growing, building up you such a threat? Why would the enemy declare war on you unless you're actually close to something that God wants to do? Nehemiah's strategy was this, and we'll finish with this. Nehemiah 4, verse 16. So it was, when they got close to it being done, from that time on, that half of my servants worked at construction while the other half held spears, shields, bows, and wore armor. So he put them in a couple of battalions. He said, okay, right now we're gonna, while you guys are building, these guys are gonna be fighting or ready to fight. And then we'll switch and we'll have you cover each other. It says, and the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Those who built on the wall, verse 17, and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with another they held a weapon. Here's the key phrase, verse 18. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built. My friends, every one of the builders had a sword. And we know the New Testament sword of the spirit is the word of God. The words of the enemy may have power, but the word of God has ultimate power. The word that God speaks, the word God has said about you, the word God has said to you, the word God has said through his word is much more powerful. But you've got to get it in you and you've got to keep it at your side, not be distracted. I'm, I'm building, I'm building. Well, yeah, you're building, but you've got to have a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other. You can do both. We need the builders and the brawlers. We need the builders to embrace being the brawlers too. The vision to build must be accompanied by a vision to overcome the enemy. Keep your sword sharp and handy. Get to know your Bible. Get to love it. Think about it. Memorize it. Chew it over and over in your mind because it is the key to victory. It's time to embrace your call to build something and your call to brawl for it. It's time to take a stand for the Lord to embrace the builder of life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your holy word. We give you honor, we give you glory, and we give you praise. Lord, I pray for anyone that's going through discouragement right now. Anyone that's been bombarded since they began leaning in toward you in a new way. Revive us, Father. 
Revive the spirit of the builders. Revive the destiny of the builders. And the call to action, the call to fight, to submit yourself therefore unto God, resist the devil and he'll flee. Don't be naive, friends. Don't be naive. You're important to God and you're important to what he wants to do in this next season in the world. That's why there's so many distractions. That's why there's so many disruptions, so many things going on that try to steal and vie for your attention. I pray for you right now that God would awaken you to your purpose. That that purpose that's been crooked would be made straight. That you'd find the path that God has chosen and not just the path of least resistance. And I pray that you'd be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you got something from that today, would you put your hands together for him? Because it's his word. It's not my word. It's his word. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, event registration, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you.